0: Hey there, folks, and welcome to the Entrepreneur's Circle, where we built a community that shares lessons learned throughout our journeys, celebrate wins, our eureka moments, and embrace the F word, meaning failure have come to realize that failure is success in progress. I'm Eric Cabral, your host, a husband, a father of two brilliant girls, and I've been called a heart-centered entrepreneur by my peers and mentors. My mission in life is to make the world a better place one mic at a time. So I'm happy and humble to have you join in on that mission, and I hope that by the end of the show, we would have added value in your life. So if you're ready to jump into the circle, let's get to it. I'm so glad you're here because I don't often get the opportunity to share with you exactly what I do and what we do here at On Air Brands. So we help the folks in our community and our clients to launch a podcast and then produce them on a weekly basis. We also help to promote each episode with close to a dozen social media posts that consist of quote cards, sound bites, and video clips. And then we post them for you on your socials automatically. So if you're a business owner with a ton on your plate, and a podcast just seems super overwhelming, I get it. We don't need one more thing to worry about. So let me and my team at On Air Brands do the heavy lifting each week so that you can focus on what you do best, which is to build your business, have more time to pour into your family and your community, or just plain chill and recharge. So feel free to email me at eric at On Air Brands so that we can book time together to chat about how we can align with your mission and how you can align with ours, which is to make the world better. One mic at a time. Now back to the show. Welcome back, folks, to another episode of the Entrepreneur Circle. I am your most happy and humbled host, as usual. I have an amazing and brilliant person, which, which we can have a chat and a conversation, and you can listen in if you choose. So, as you drive down the road in your Tesla or your pickup or you're at the gym on the treadmill, this is the dude to listen to because he has a ton of knowledge to share with you about capital. Raising capital, acquiring capital, working with someone who knows what
1: to do with money. Welcome to the show, Paul Neal. <laughs> hey, Eric. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on, man. I'm really excited to uh, to have a chat with you, buddy. Yeah, really
0: quickly. I'm so glad you're here. Um, I want to share with the audience who doesn't know you. Paul Neal is the owner of Vantage Point Commercial Capital, with a key focus in helping business owners win. He uh, his firm focuses on helping entrepreneurs and real estate investors. Win by funding their growth and their dreams in non-traditional ways, and we're going to get into those non-traditional ways right here, right now. But first, let's crack open the bottle on the first question, Paul, which is <laughs> your eureka moment in life. Share with us a time when you had to pivot, change, or
1: a light bulb went off. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a funny story. It's a great story. So I was I was a little younger than I am now. Um, I was uh, in. Uh, I went to school in Virginia, Virginia Tech, studied engineering, and they had a great program, a co-op program. And so um, I was working at a company nearby, a place called Radford, Virginia, and um, we were working on a a project. And I remember sitting in this room, Eric, and I always thought I was going to be an engineer because I was good at math and science. I enjoyed it. My father was an engineer. And I remember sitting in this room with the, the fluorescent light, you know, with a little bit of a hum in the background. Um, it was a, like an eight by eight room, kind of stale. There were about eight people around the table. And and literally, we argued, well, they argued because I, I was a co-op, but for about two hours on the, the color of these little rubber booties they want to put on this device we were developing. And um, it was at that moment that I knew I couldn't do this. If I had if I had to sit in a in a, an environment of uh, like, you know a work prison for the rest of my life, then I think suicide was on the list. So I was like, I've got to do something. I've got to pursue something on my own, where at least I can go after you know do what I want to do, even if it's not productive. I can't stay here, and that was kind of the beginning of the search for uh, for Paul's uh, freedom. Wow. Yeah. yeah how long were you in, uh, at that time, that, that moment? Oh, not long. I mean, you know, I think that was my third year of school. So I, I, you know, I was in that process and I was looking at, um, you know, a long career. And interestingly enough, I, I got connected with my sister and brother-in-law who had been fairly successful in business and, 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 uh, they, they were kind of a few steps ahead of me. I saw, wow, they're, they're, they're starting to live a, a bit of a dream that, um, that, that maybe I would like to to do. And, um, and so it was kind of off the races to the races from there. What was the dream they were living that you wanted to live? Um, they they were they had started a business and they they didn't want to do corporate America either. And um, you know, they wanted to travel and and, and and have more control over their schedule and their lifestyle and not be sort of chained to, to a desk. And, and so I was like, wow, I'm, I'm I'm seeing them starting to to talk about it, starting to get some wins here and there and um, and maybe it's possible because at that point I'd never really known that. We'd, I don't come from an entrepreneurial family. Um, you know, my dad, you know, he worked for the federal government for, you know, his whole career as an engineer and had a great career and no complaints, but it was just not, not, not an entrepreneurial thing. So, um, they just kind of opened my eyes and introduced me to other people that were succeeding. And I thought, wow, okay, um, maybe there's more to life than, you know, looking at the paycheck on the front and see what they pay me and just kind of having to show up every day. Yeah.
0: Wow. Well, good for you. You found out relatively early um yeah your life rather than you know going into more and more debt and education and jumping in and living in and working in a job that you eventually found out man how long are we talking about colored rubber booties for like (laughs) decades decades have gone by
1: (laughs) (laughs) no i know i was very fortunate i tell you it's uh, you know very thankful very blessed um you know and it was funny because my I met my wife and believe it or not in high school or senior year and so she's been along for the ride the whole time and and she said she remember when she met me she she saw I had this picture of a Porsche on my wall a poster and she's like oh man he's a dreamer you know I want I want to you know? <laughs> so so anyway I don't know where it came from but uh, yeah I was I was fortunate and and she was happy to to, to get out of that world too <laughs>
0: yeah yeah. Uh, Complete that sentence there, Paul. You said, oh, he's a picture of the Porsche. He's a dreamer, dot, dot, dot. Was that a good or a bad thing?
1: (laughs) Well, we're still married. So, um, (laughs) did it scare her at first? I mean, what... Uh, Yeah, no, it was it was a good thing. It was a good thing because she, you know, she wanted to, you know, you know this, right? Yeah. People in life they 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 want to hitch their wagon to somebody who's going somewhere, right? And and you know, I didn't really know where I was going, but at least it wasn't sort of the the same old, same old. She actually had moved into the area from a small town which was kind of dying, kind of the rust belt and and didn't see a lot of like hope there and And so, when she saw that, she's like, "Wow, there's hope for a you know a brighter future and something that you know that that could be really positive and different and so that that was kind of but like i said we're we're happily married <laughs> after thirty one years now, so it's all uh, good
0: congratulations yeah uh, <laughs> thanks and, and And the family is uh has grown. you guys are uh you know in are you in Virginia Beach currently. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Yeah. And my daughter, we have we have one child and um, we we had I'll tell you about the struggle that we had with her later and and probably the reason we only had one. But um, but yeah, so she she's amazing. She's back at at our alma mater, Virginia Tech. She's actually in the Air Force ROTC. She's going to fly. She wants to fly jets for them. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, So (laughs) (laughs) it's pretty cool. Yeah. To watch.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's funny when you said that um, you had the picture of the Porsche on your your wall. Um, and that, you know, some people want to hitch their wagon to something like what better way to hitch it to something with style, right? To, uh, <laughs> <laughs> to a sports car. <laughs> yeah. So, so you jumped in and you started to consider the possibilities of, of potentially owning your, your, your own business, being an entrepreneur. Um, so what was, what was that first step? What was one of the first
1: early businesses or, or, or yeah. that you had there? Yeah so I know it has a has a bit of a bad connotation I think for some people but um I got involved with uh, the network marketing industry um right out of school and uh, that's what my sister and brother-in-law were doing and you know there's a lot of again there can be bad connotation we learned a lot there and 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 my wife and I were actually pretty successful at it. I mean, we 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 were making more than I was making as an engineer very pretty rapidly and did that for 10 years and it was it was a fun ride. Um and and so we we were introduced to a lot of very successful people who had done very well financially and learned a lot of really good lessons in terms of dealing with people, kind of getting the um sort of the junk out of the head. And really honestly, man, the biggest thing was uh for me, dealing with uh, like fear. Um, you know, it's like I I again engineering background, math and science, not very extroverted. Um, you know, more of the introverted kind of a guy. But what I found was when when I really sort of I had that dream sort of crystallized in what I wanted to do, it it sort of forced me to overcome those fears and come out of my shell a little bit. Um so that that was um, th- so. There's a lot of there. There's we talk about it all the time. We have no regrets. It was a good ride, and we enjoyed it, and most of it. Some of it we didn't. But <laughs> <anyway>. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's interesting the the stigma that gets attached
0: uh, to to network marketing, or you know, back in the day, MLM and things uh, of that nature. Uh, but like you said, you you pulled. Lessons out of it you you, you developed skill sets and muscles that you otherwise maybe wouldn't have had or been able to develop to the point uh, where you could take it to the next endeavor so what well, what was what was beyond the uh, network marketing
1: yeah so um, from that point you know we were we were able to sort of pivot um, because that business was kind of moving on and, and sort of in the background. So I got into real estate finance in, in, in 1998. And so um, I started um, a residential mortgage lending business. I was a broker at that point in time and um, really loved it. Cause again, I love the the numbers, the math and science. I love serving people and um, it was just a blast. And so that, that was a business that we built for, Gosh, all the way up to two thousand and eight, before the uh, the great the great recession, the great meltdown, when all the liquidity just went to zero. Um, that and that that was, you know, we had some spinoffs from there as well, some some related businesses, title company, that sort of thing, and um, an insurance business as a result. So it was it just it created it was a real cash cow that created lots of other ancillary opportunities, um, and that's really where I got my love for finance. Mm. Um, I didn't take finance classes in college. I took engineering classes in college, right? And, and, and humanities, of course, everyone needs to be, you know, well-balanced, right? <laughs> so, uh, but beyond that, you know, I didn't use a lot of physics or statics in the, um, in the finance world. But what I did learn in school that I was able to apply is how to solve problems and, and, and really that's, and get creative and get outside of the box and, 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 and take a situation and say, well, that maybe there's. Not a traditional or standard way to solve this, but there has to be a, a solution somewhere. So yeah. that's what we did. So when you
0: when you were in the real estate finance, uh, you know that that decade of your your life were were you and your wife um, exploring also alternative ways or investments within real estate? Were you or were you just running the business and that was sort of the investment?
1: Yeah. So um, that that really was the investment. We were building that we had gotten to the point where we were actually a lender as well. So we were lending a lot of our own money and the, the positioning the business to sell, quite frankly, we we had um, a really strong client base. We had multiple locations, uh, quite a few employees and really was ready to go. And then, and then the liquidity just went to zero. I mean, it was just literally overnight. Wow. Um, and I'll never forget we were in our our main office. We had about 15,000 square feet on the on a Class A space. We had the whole floor. Wow. Yeah. And so of course, you know it goes to that, right? Lots of overhead. So <laughs> when, when the uh, the liquidity dried up, it, we went from funding, you know, a lot of business to literally zero overnight. And it wasn't because we didn't have customers; it's because the world stopped, <laughs> and the overhead didn't stop. You know, the payroll didn't stop. <laughs> the, you know, so I just remember. I mean, honestly, man, I I had moved my office down to the corner at some point because we kept expanding, and I, I I literally just went. I just sat in my office and just you know put my head in my lap and just cried. I didn't know what I was going to do. You know, it was like devastating. We had just had a you know, our daughter was very young. She just she just overcame um, a neuroblastoma. She had she had cancer as a 14 month old. Mm-hmm. And we're like, holy smokes, you know, what are we gonna do? You know, what am I gonna do? And so it was, you know, um, but um but it's all it's all good, you know, it's just it is what it is. It's part of the process, you know, you bounce and um and that's and that's what we did. So, so long story short, we didn't sell. <laughs>
0: wow. Yeah. I mean, did the other ancillary businesses and, and thanks for, for sharing and, and being vulnerable there. I just, I just want to acknowledge that um, the, the title company, the insurance company, though, the ancillary businesses, did that kind of keep things afloat or what, what else? What kept you open?
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, nothing. The, the, you know, it's, it's like, I'm a firm believer in diversification, Eric. And, and the lesson I didn't realize at that point was I was diversified in very correlated businesses. (laughs) So, (laughs) so, um, yeah, so the title company was, you know, it's based on doing, you know, residential loans. We were doing title insurance. And so there was nothing there in the insurance. I mean, the insurance did kind of hang along a little bit. Um, so there was something there, but, but, most of the energy was the the residential lending and the title. And then we had really started to focus on spinning up the insurance, but hadn't gotten it to the point where, you know, it was large enough to be quite sustainable. So, yeah, so it, it was it was a painful time, to be frank.
0: Yeah, yeah. But some of the things and the lessons learned there, because I think a lot of people are going through this right now. Mm. The commercial spaces um, are emptied, um, equipment is, 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 is dormant, and, and business owners are leaving them behind mm. and saying, Hey, you can... I think they're literally, Paul, handing people the business because they can't they can't pay the lease, right? People commit to five, 10-year leases. Yeah. So I don't know if you can speak to that, but I, I'm, I'm, I am aware that this is currently occurring... And it sounded like you went through it. Are there any lessons that you can share with people that so maybe somebody's listening and they're currently experiencing this
1: yeah i mean it's it's harder on the other side if you're in that situation obviously there, there's no there's no silver bullet um there's a lot of a lot of self um searching and you know a lot of conversations uh, um you know with the people I would say the the lesson i learned is is don't hide from it pick up the phone and call the people that you owe the money to have a conversation your business might come back i mean i don't think we're we're not in the situation we were in in 2007 2008 i mean that's that's a whole different set of circumstances um, however it may come back and so you you don't want to burn all your bridges a lot of your creditors will work with you in the, in the scenario, but if you run from it and hide from it, then it's just, even if you don't have the answer, that's okay. I, I had plenty of those phone calls. I had a phone call with the the leasing company on our commercial space and we didn't own the space at that time. And, and because it was in a very large building and, and, you know, I was like, well, you know, we, we need to try to work through how we're going to resolve this. Um, but they also had, you know, Two thirds of the of the off of the building, the tenants in the building were leaving, you know, because they were somehow affected by you know the 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 situation. So, I would say don't run from it. Um, you know, this is also the thing where I learned that the banks aren't your friend. I mean, that they, they will the a lot of the leasing companies and people, and particularly tenants or, or um, landlords will work with you because they don't want to lose. Um, in fact, I have a, I have a client and a really good friend in the Maryland area who had a printing company and when they shut down during COVID, he was headquartered in sort of the downtown area and got a lot of his traffic from downtown. Well, he he didn't get any more traffic. So, um, he had a very expensive lease, but that was part of his marketing plan. He was right downtown and, but you know, so that changed. Anyway, he had negotiations with them over the course of six to eight months, and finally they were able to resolve something that was a a win-win for for both of them. And I remember back in the day, I I actually tried to sublet the the space myself. I tried to find someone to just to try to do the right thing. I couldn't make the you know thirty thousand a month payment or whatever it was with no no revenue, not for long anyway. You know, you can burn through your cash really fast like that. So, um, so I'd say work with them, and um, but. You know, as far as banks, you know, we talk about that all the time. It's at the end of the day, I think I think the biggest lesson is to align yourself with other like-minded people. And if they're listening to this podcast and they're they're doing that, but um your your network, your mastermind, your peers, your a coach or a mentor, because um you need other people to walk through this with. And um you know, in 2007, 2008, the banks were calling loans on a lot of our friends. A lot of my friends had banks call the loans. You know, they decided they didn't want it in the portfolio anymore and just create all kinds of problems. The good news is most of them survived and most of them were, were able to work through it. And we tried to sort of, you know, huddle together and, you know, we cried on each other's shoulders, but but we ended up getting through it. And so I think that's really the the biggest takeaway of how you navigate.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's it's very powerful
1: to have a network of people
0: that you can you can trust and lean on, like you said, uh, that can relate to you, uh, other business owners, right, that uh, are struggling and, and being affected by the same things. Um, you, I want to I want to stay in this topic though, Paul, because uh, you you do talk about how people who rent their office space, you know you encourage them to actually own the building. So can we talk a
1: bit about about that? Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, we work with a lot of real estate investors and most people, when they think of real estate investing, they think, okay, I'm going to build a portfolio of, um, you know, single family homes or some multi-unit properties or whatever. And that's all good. And we do that. And we, we actually fund a lot of that, but what a lot of, uh, a lot of professionals and small businesses that that have a business that requires them to have a physical location, you know, they're they're renting a they're renting a building. For instance, I have a friend of mine. She's a client. Her name is Kathy. She's a she's a OBGYN, and she she bought her building about 13 years ago, and because she wasn't going to go anywhere, right? She's part of the community. It's her business, and she since paid her building off, and so. The cool thing is she's built wealth paying herself the entire time. And she was just acquired because in the medical space, you have a lot of these sort of aggregators that are buying the the small mom and pop practices, and she's getting close to retirement. So she said, all right, yeah, I'm going to sell. So not only did she get a nice payout there, she's going to retire in a few years, but now that large medical group is going to rent her building and that space for you know into the foreseeable future so she's got a 9-10,000 a month cash flow coming from that building um, which she ha- she was going to rent anyway she's going to pay somebody rent right so there's huge benefits there I've another another client we just uh, restructured a warehouse he is a he is a roofing company and he's got a large warehouse and his company occupies about 60% I think of the building well his he has tenants in the rest of the building the tenants Pay the freight. They're paying the, he, he has no rent because they're paying the mortgage for on his building. Mm-hmm. So, um, we do a lot of that owner-occupied. There's there's a lot of really good reasons from a, from a tax standpoint, depreciation, the wealth effect of, of owning that building over time. Um, your business is worth a lot more at the end if you go to sell, because we do a lot of business acquisition deals too. And so if there's real estate involved there, you know, and you may or may not sell it with the real estate, but if you do, it, it makes the terms much more favorable to investors and your business much more profitable. So there's a lot of really great, reasons why you should own if you're in a if you're in a business that you know again you 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 you're gonna be you know you're going to be there if you own restaurants um you know you're in a retail kind of a business or a, a professional like a chiropractor a veterinarian dentist that sort of thing we do a lot with the with those types of po- folks because it makes sense right I mean you're you're owning you know you're owning the asset um somebody else is paying the rent in many cases and um and you're just enjoying the ride yeah yeah I know the commercial real estate space um
0: you know has been affected by you know the past couple of years in terms of these big corporations, right? They realize they don't need 30,000 square feet of, (laughs) everybody's working from home. What happened? Uh, (laughs) And they like it. (laughs) Uh, And they're more productive is crazy, right? Some of them. Um, But you're right though, there are certain specific types of businesses and industries like the restaurant business, like the physicians and chiropractors and dentists, they need the physical space for people to actually, to come in and they can serve. Um, so, yeah, I'm a big proponent of what you're saying in that safe sort of space and area, because, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm in New Jersey. There's a lot of commercial space in terms of like strip malls. Yeah, and, right. And, 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 and we predict, you know, hopefully this doesn't happen, but it seems like it's moving down the road where they're going to convert a lot of these, even these malls that are like not even really. You know, busy. You know, like what's going to happen? They're going to turn it into housing. We know that there's housing that's needed. Uh, so, or it's going to evolve into something else. Um, I went to recently, Paul. It's funny. Um, my my kids are young, uh, eight and five, and we went to this Jurassic World thing. It wasn't, it wasn't of the brand, but they they named it something else. I forgot what it was. And. It was in an old Sears and Roebuck. <laughs> right. Well, well, I was like, "What is going?" I'm like, t- "I'm like, I'm here to see dinosaurs." I didn't realize I was going to see this dinosaur. Like, there was literally shelving behind the scenery. Like, we, I could see where the shoes were used to be. It was kind of actually. <laughs> <laughs> nuts. But I'm like, "Oh!" So it sort of gave me a glimpse into the future. I'm like, "Is this what's going to happen to malls? They're going to turn them into amusement parks?" <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, you know, it's it's funny how like how as much as things change, they kind of you know there's nothing new under the sun, right? So we before we had malls, we had these central business districts, right, with the outdoor walking areas, the kind of strip centers, and oh, nice, yeah, right. That's we're sort of going back to that, and um, yeah, yeah, it's funny. So let's let's jump into what um,
0: I, I I really want to learn more from you is is the M&A space, the mergers and acquisitions space of business. So I know you're you you have capital, you lend it, um and you help people, you help businesses whether real estate or 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 any type of business. Is your focus around the small to mid-sized business owners? Is that you talk a little yeah. about
1: yeah, you know, what you do there? Yeah, absolutely. So our, our focus is mainly, you know, established businesses, they're in the you know, one to $30 million revenue range is kind of our focus. And so we have lots of tools and, and, and programs available for those types of businesses to expand, to acquire. Um, we, we see a lot of, we're seeing a lot of this, the, the graying or the silver wave. We're seeing a lot of uh, partner buyouts in those types of businesses. So, you know, maybe I've got one right now we're talking to, we're working through, they've run the business for the last seven or eight years. So they know the business through and through. In fact, they are the key, the key people in the business. The owner is wanting to retire. And so he wants to sell it, obviously, to the, to the people that have been owning the, you know, running the business, which makes sense for everyone. And so those, for us, those are laydowns. We can do those all day long. Um, We have another, I have another client right now we're working with. This is kind of funny. He, um, he's a young entrepreneur and his first business was a retail popcorn business. And, and like, uh, it's, it's in a, uh, tourist area, right? So he's got a physical location. And so he's actually acquiring other retail popcorn businesses, believe it or not, they do exist in different, different resort areas. And he's, he's adding, because he's got the experience, he's got the systems, he's taken a systematic approach versus sort of the fly by the seat of your pants, typical mom and pop approach, right? Um, and so that's what we like to see if someone if someone has experience, and they have the right culture, which is systems, and then the right people that, that they can put in that in those systems, then they're really attractive to us. Um, so buying competitors, we see a lot of that too. So you know, it's a great opportunity to build market share, particularly now. So if we had, you know, if we are heading into a recession, a slowing of the economy, I don't think there's much doubt about that. You know, the question is how, you know, how much is going to slow. Um, and the, you know, we've seen the we've seen the ten-year note go from you know one percent to well, it was it went up to three and a half, but back down to around three. So, so we think, and, and again, rates have come up. We think they're going to start settling back down in the fourth quarter because we think inflation is going to be, um, it's going to start to tame. What a great opportunity to buy a competitor, someone who is like, yeah, I don't really want to go through, I'm, 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 I'm getting older. I don't want to go through another recession or slow down. I just don't want to deal with all that. I've had a good run, a good ride and let's let it go. Give them a call. Let's, you know, buy, buy them out. Um, it's a great opportunity. What about also buying? I, I love that strategy, Paul.
0: In terms of buying your your competition, um, I know that's a. There's got to be a specific way to approach a business owner because you know they they can see that as a hostile sort of takeover. Hopefully. I mean you're, you you have some relationship. you're not just calling them out of the blue. They don't know who the heck you are. Um, I, I do want to talk about that, but I also wanted to let's cover these two things, and i'll if if, if you forget, i'll I'll try to remember. <laughs> also buying businesses that are complementary to your services. you know, like you had a business, right that that also had you know it was real estate lending and then also title, insurance, and all these other things that sort of complement the service. So like for me, for instance, i'll I'll throw out the example. I met you through a podcasting agency. Why wouldn't my company that produces podcasts buy a podcast booking agency? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right, right, because it's the same avatar, the same clientele. So I don't know yeah. which one you want to tackle first. <laughs>
1: oh my gosh what what a great what a great idea! Complimentary businesses, you know, as you're doing and I've done. Um, wow! And if you you can either spin those up organically yourself you know, uh, bootstrap them, or you can acquire one that's already developed. I mean, the advantage of acquiring one that's that's already in business is their customers now can become your customers for your primary business. And, you know, if, if you're spinning one up sort of bootstrapping organically, then you're, you're while you have an add-on sort of upsell opportunity to your customer base, you're not really immediately expanding your customer base. So the acquisition um, a, approach and strategy is, is awesome in that scenario. Yeah, anytime you can find, there's always an ancillary business and you can think, you also look at the supply chain, right? You know, where in the supply chain, you know, maybe some things you're outsourcing, maybe you can buy that capability for yourself to add value. Because when you combine them all, the the, the overall aggregate value of the business can many times be a, be a multiple. Mm-hmm. As opposed to just being in one, you know, one specific space.
0: Yeah. How would so? I, I do want to get into the the, the first thing that I've had mentioned is the approach. Uh, how how do you recommend business owners approach, say, a partner or a business that they're partnering with for many years? So, for example, I, um, you know, we we've been partnering for three or four years, another company, um, hmm. and wouldn't it make sense? But I wouldn't know how to approach the conversation to say. You know, hey, we've been working together for years. Why don't we merge, or why don't we acquire? Like, what's the better approach? Because it sounds like if I'm going to acquire, like ah, hostile takeover. <laughs> versus, I just call it merge. You know, and then eventually, yeah. oh, we bought you bought. Oh, wait a minute, you bought me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you know, I, that's a great question, Eric, and I, I think it. You know, it goes down to, it boils down to, you know, what's in it for them, right? So, like, like anything else, it's it's a very. I, I, the way I approach things is very sort of uh, easygoing. And so if if you were a potential competitor that I thought or or maybe a complementary business, we've worked well together, then you know, my approach would be I would try to get have a cup of coffee with you or something, kind of a face-to-face, if it's reasonable. And, you know, I would just kind of float what I would call a trial balloon, say something to the effect of say, Hey Eric, you know, we worked together for a long time here and I think we have a, a wonderful relationship. And, you know, you guys do a phenomenal job and, you know, we're, we're continuing to expand. And I would ask you something to the effect of, hey, have you ever thought about your next step? I mean, is this, you know, you gonna are you going to run your business forever and then just retire? Or have you thought about doing something else or kind of where you are? and and i would just kind of listen to see where your head is and if there was an uh, an opportunity to 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 kind of float that out there even if it's just kind of a light plant a seed and say hey cuz this is a long process right this is not something that you may never have thought about selling your business because you're you're in the zone. You're building it. You know you're happy. You know everything's good. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's it's not the hostile takeover. Like, hey, we're we're taking you out, man. <laughs> I hope you enjoy this coffee. It's like, hey, Eric. You know, I don't know if you've ever considered, you know, selling your business or or or, or moving on. But man, you know, I I think I was talking to you know my partner or my wife the other day or my team, and and we thought, wow, you know, if, if there's some way that we could you know, um, add you to the mix in a more permanent way mm. um, or your business, then then we're certainly open to that. I don't know if you, I'm, and we're not, this is not a hostile takeover. I'm, I'm not saying we're not going to work with you if you say no, but, but, you know, have you ever considered selling? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I, I, I imagine too, approaching it in a way where it's like, what's in it for them? Like, here's all the benefits, like kind of having the pros and cons already mapped out for them. Yeah, I like that. What what the trial balloon? I've never heard that phrase. Yeah, like sort of like a a soft approach, like you said, seed plant.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, it's a it's a phrase. I don't know where I didn't coin it, but the idea is you you sort of float the idea in a non-threatening way Got to it. kind of gauge now the <laughs> response cuz you'd be like you might be like oh i would never do that and you're like oh okay well he's <laughs> and i might then say well why that's interesting you're pretty you know pretty violent in your reaction here or you might say mm, yeah i've never really considered selling it and 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 i'd say well okay yeah most people haven't but you know y- y- you could here could be some benefits for you i mean you could walk away with you know a million dollars or whatever it's worth and, you know, take an early retirement. If you're getting older, I mean, spend more time with the grandkids, you're talking about that once in a while, blah, blah, blah. Um, But yeah, it's a trial balloon. It's just a very soft approach just to kind of gauge where somebody is when you have no idea, you know? Um, I'll give you a story. So I had a, um, I had a, a, uh, built a a document scanning and data extraction business and we sold that two years ago. And, I, I was looking to sell it to the competitor. So I was on the other side because I, I wanted it was to the point where, hey, we want to sell this, you know. Um, so so I called three or four competitors, and it was that's exactly what I did. I said, hey, Mr. Competitor, you know, we don't even know each other. We haven't met, but you know you've heard of us and whatnot. We're thinking about maybe selling the business. Do you know, do you have any interest in, you know, expanding your portfolio, your capability, that sort of thing? And uh, and three of them said no. One of them said, "Yeah, let's get coffee." And then wow. and a year a year later, they signed the paper. So, so it's just kind of a don't go with any preconceived notion that they're going to want to or not. And the timing is critical. So a no today might might not be a no. It might be not not yet. It might be okay. I planned the seed with them, and now a year from now, they have some kind of event happen in their life, and they're like, you know, maybe it's a, a health issue or maybe maybe the the spouse is like yeah i really want to go to florida i'm tired of new jersey you know and and you're like i remember talking to paul and he he you know he mentioned something about maybe buying us out, and, you know? And so that idea starts to percolate and whatever. And yeah. so you just never know.
0: It's 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 such an interesting thing. And I, I know we're sort of uh, getting toward the tail end here. Um, I'm so curious. We got to have to continue this conversation offline <laughs> um, because I know that for a fact, you know, and, and statistically we know, you know, the majority, I'm like, I don't know the exact number of, of businesses that start are going to fail, right? In the first year right. to five yeah. years. And then like an even larger percentage won't make it to 10 years. So there's a lot of businesses that have started up and they just close shop, Paul. They don't, they don't <laughs> sell the assets. They don't sell the business. They do nothing but just sh- go get a job and they just leave everything. So like, what would you say to those who are considering that? And, and, and heaven forbid, I'm sorry, if you're hearing this and that's something that your situation that you're in, um, but then also how does the person who can benefit and help potentially
1: them find them? Good question. So I mean there's a there's a couple of ways to do that the The easy button would be to reach out to a business broker. There are lots of brokers out there that you know, will list businesses. They have they have a portfolio of businesses they're selling. They have a list of potential, you know, suitors, people that want to buy businesses. That's what they do. Uh, it's a little pricey, but generally doesn't cost you anything unless they sell. Those guys are good because they will give you a, a at least a light valuation and tell you what they think the business is worth without you spending a lot of money to to get the full, the full blown analysis. Um, but again, the 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 other thing which it's it's not much harder. It's a little, it's a little harder is is really you probably know who your competitors are at least in your area pick up the dag on phone or go knock on the door it's like hey i'm thinking about leaving the business you know and or, hey, you have any interest um i know if I, if if you're my competitor and in town and you and you came to me and said that I, you'd certainly have my attention now i might not buy it you know the numbers might not be right but at least it's like okay yeah i, I respect that and um I'm open to it, and you can sign non-disclosure agreements and things like that. I mean, you you should probably do all that and and upfront before you get into the weeds and you know and, and the details. But just to have a high level conversation, it's like I'm floating the idea. You know, don't get all excited yet that we're shutting down. I'm just considering this idea. You know, we might double down on our <laughs> our business plan and run you out of business. You know, but um, but for now, have you ever considered it? Kind of yeah, a thing. Yeah,
0: yeah. So good, so good.
1: Um. And
0: then and then if you can share like your role and your you know and vantage point commercial capital's role uh within that sequence. And
1: yeah, yeah, absolutely. So so we'll help you analyze the 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 business that you're acquiring. Um, you know, the thing that we the thing that we really look at from from a business acquisition standpoint is the cash flow and the company. So um the assets and the cash flow are the two things. Do they have real estate? Do they not have real estate? Um, We'll help you with evaluation of the business and and make sure that, you know, we'll make sure you're not going to overpay because we're not going to fund it if you're overpaying. So that's critical. The thing we also want to look at is the compatibility or the complementary aspect of the business. You know is this a fit for you do you can you run it you know when you buy them out are they are there's is their staff gonna stay there or are you just buying the customer base you know what are you buying so we we work through that with you and put together a funding plan and um and then we execute it takes you know 60 90 120 days just depending on where you are in the process um if it's really early in the process it might take longer but um, it's pretty simple, you know, at the end of the day. And generally, you know, we're not looking for a massive influx of of capital. And if you have enough equity on your balance sheet already, then you might not have to put any money in the transaction. So it just kind of depends. I love that. Yeah. Sounds very much like real estate. Um, yeah. You can buy
0: things people don't realize with little to no money down, no, nothing out of your pocket. Um, so typically you said, so if I were to acquire a business, as long as my company is in the one million to thirty million in revenue, um, then you're like, okay, even though I'm buying a quarter of a million dollar company or it mm-hmm.
1: doesn't have to be meet right. that criteria. That's what I'm saying. Right. Right. And the and the same thing applies. Let's say you mentioned you were in corporate America for 20 years, Eric. Let's say you are a high level manager, you have lots of really, you know, some great experience, and you're buying an existing business that, you know, you, you know. Well, let's just pick an industry, you know, maybe it's some type of service-based business and, you know, they have, uh, I don't know, they do uh, auto repair or whatnot, but you have the management and leadership experience and you would still be a good candidate. So you don't have to be a business owner to buy another business. You could be somebody that wants to like you and I did escape corporate America and you're like, yeah. but I don't want to build it from scratch because right. you know, I'm already 20, 30 years into my career. If I can buy a cash flow and just go in there, use the skill set that I've learned at IBM or wherever I worked for all these years and apply it, that's a great candidate for us." Um and there's even ways to leverage like 401Ks and things like that to do it and you know, so it's it's you know, I uh, yeah, good, Paul. I wish I had met you.
0: <laughs> that is one of the lessons that I learned. You know, I started a business from scratch, and I, uh, you know, it took me four to five years to get it up and running and cash flow and paying myself. Yeah. And it took a long time. Um, but if I had known, like you, what you're saying, I was in corporate America. You know, with a, with a 401k that I transferred to a self-directed IRA and started investing in real estate, um, I would have just bought media agency and <laughs> <laughs> <No, right. laughs> made it better. Oh my goodness. I didn't know, Paul, why didn't you tell me? Sorry, man. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's great, you're right. Um, uh, anyone who's out there who's listening, and I do have a lot of listeners and you know who you are, you're listening and you're driving in your Tesla and you're thinking, man, I can own another business and have other people run it and I can potentially insert my superpower to make it better, mm-hmm. more efficient, cash flowing because there's a lot of people who are running business and they don't
1: know how to run a business and they're just surviving you know so oh that's so true that's so true and you know the and 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 man the thing the thing about that is it's like if it's done right you build that business then you then you can really have an awesome quality of life it, you know people think you know most of the mom and pops out there aren't business owners. They're they're highly paid employees, right? They're their own employee. They have no systems, they have no backup. They have, I mean, if they don't show up at work, you know, six days a week, then they, they don't make any money. Mm-hmm. But that is the hard way to do it, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And,
1: and everybody wins in
0: that scenario, right? Yeah. Everybody wins, right? Because then they get out, they get a nice li- nice large sum of cash and they can go dip their toes in the sand down in Florida. Uh, while somebody who, you know, has the capital can potentially have an exit from the W-2 that they're miserable in. So that's That's a good story to tell. Um, So we're going to get to the the last couple of questions and segment here. And you you already shared some things, but if there's something else you want to share in terms of embracing the F word, meaning failure. (laughs) <laughs> a place where you've
1: learned your lesson the hard way. <laughs> yeah, we try not to use the F word in my house. So uh, <laughs> uh, I will say, yeah, it's going to happen. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, there's a great book that I read. Somebody, and, and I and I came to this one late in life, somebody has actually mentioned it a couple of months ago, and I read it. It's called Go for No. I don't know if you've read that. Oh, um, I think it's Fenton or Denton is the author. Go for No. It's about a, it's about a forty-page book. You can read it in an hour sitting down, and it's so it's so awesome because it it just kind of it it really the philosophy is hey you you know you're going to have no's you know you're going to have failures along the way in life and so why not just embrace them you know the faster you go through those the faster you get to the yeses and the faster you get to where you want to be and hey I've been there man you know failure is not fun. It's not easy when, when everything, when the rug gets ripped out from underneath you, You know, you go, I I talk about, I mentioned my daughter had cancer. We were at, you know, the top of our game. I went from, I went from like heaven, you know, making money, hands over fist, having a great life to, to literally hell overnight, one phone call. And it was like, oh my gosh. But the cool thing about it was I had systems and people in place in the business. So I could take three weeks off and deal with it and work through it. And thank God she's completely fine now. Totally healed. It's a great story. But, um, but because i had a business with the you know systems and people i was able to 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 come through that 2008 when the business failed it crashed you we're going to sell that was that was a major blow you know but what are you going to do you know you're just going to roll over and you know give up and you know tuck your tail between your legs and i mean you know you just so the lesson i think is embrace failure just it's going to happen most what is it you know i probably know the statistic a lot better than i do how many you know multimillionaires billionaires you know file bankruptcy on the way i think it's like the average is like 2.3 times or something i don't know it's just a lot of failure yeah, yeah. to get to to get to success and if you're afraid to fail you'll never make it don't go into business because you, you know, it's embrace it and just look at it as an opportunity to say, okay, hey, what did I learn? What can I do better? And B, you know, let's tomorrow's a new day. Let's turn the let's turn the chapter and and you know, start anew. I love it.
0: Love it. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that, brother.
1: Yeah. Check out that book. It sounds like
0: uh yeah. Something I can easily chew on uh during Gosh. lunch. But uh <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> so Paul, this has been great. This has been wonderful. There's so much more that we can unpack. We potentially will have to, ha- uh, have, to have a part two. Um, yeah. So because this 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 is not a topic that I we often broach here on the show, uh, M&A, and I, I just love it. It's fascinating. And, and there's people I have to introduce you to that are also in this space. But in one word, if you can share with the audience and the people out there, how you help them.
1: Trust. Good one. You want to expand? <laughs> yeah, I mean, so I, I I try to live by the golden rule, man. I just try to do unto others that that as the way I would have want to be treated in life. And so my whole maxim is to be open and honest and as as clear as I can be. And I, I just I have to sleep at night. At the end of the day, so. I've always tried and I'm not perfect, but I've always tried to run my life that way and say, okay, you know, man, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna lock arms and we're gonna do this. And we're gonna try to find if we're working in finance, we're gonna try to find the best program available for you from the best investors. Um, You know, if there are issues, we'll talk about it. If we can't do it, we'll talk about it. But at the end of the day, you're not gonna have to worry about, um, you know, a knife in the back or anything. We just don't, I just, I don't know. That's what people tell me. They trust me. And it's just my, I guess maybe that's my superpower, but I just try to treat people the way I want to be treated. That's awesome. That's awesome, brother. How
0: uh, can people reach out to you
1: if they need you? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So Eric, we set up a special page just for your listeners on our website, man. And uh, I've got a cool little takeaway and it's actually a document that we work through with our, with our clients. So it's a great sort of, sort of pre-document for yourself if you're looking for funding. Um, I call it the the key critical questions that you must ask and answer before you seek funding. And it kind of works you through the process of, of you know questions to ask. Um, and we spun it up on our website. So um, if you'll visit VPC Victor Paul Charlie dot capital, that's VPC dot capital slash podcast. And then a little dash in there. E circle for entrepreneur circle, e circle. So vpc.capital slash podcast dash e circle. And it's there. You can grab it. You could also schedule a, a 20-minute discovery call with me if you're at a point where you really, you know, you're really seriously thinking about funding or doing something. I'd be happy to have a conversation with you. I love
0: it. I love it. Um, in terms of
1: the the range that you can lend out so people know <laughs> yeah. in their head. Yeah. So, I mean, on the lower end, generally about a quarter of a million. And on the upper end, gosh, I mean, we funded 30, 40 million. There's really not a major, major limit there. That's gotcha. probably, a, generally we see, we don't see much above that, but in that range.
0: Gotcha. I love it. Beautiful. I'm definitely downloading it. So uh, I hope <laughs> you <too. laughs> uh, Yeah, let's stay in touch, Paul. I appreciate your time and, and and your energy and the value you provided here, brother. So thank you so much. Eric, that was awesome, man. I <laughs> That's it for now, folks. If you'd like to stay in touch with the show, you can contact me directly at eric at onairbrands.com. That's eric, E-R-I-K, at onairbrands.com. And if you aren't already subscribed to the show, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or any other podcast podcast